You heard about Jesus being baptized and a light came from heaven and that light of Jesus not only shined on Jesus, but Jesus shines his light on others. Have you ever been lost? Now, I don't know about you, I do a lot of home visits and I used to have a map and I used to follow the map or I used to ask people for directions. I don't know if I've gone lazy, but I use MapQuest. You ever done that? However, sometimes MapQuest is not always accurate. If I followed it, I'd been in the middle of a cornfield. Now, this is just me, nothing against these people from this area. I, I always find myself getting lost in the Ayersville or the New Bavaria area. I don't know why. So I always make sure I have a phone there and their number and address in case I happen to get turned around. Now, don't laugh, but my wife and I, my wife makes it a point that I always bring my cell phone into any large store we go into. And you know why, because I tend to wander off and guess who calls me? Where are you at? Ever had that happen? <laughs> a couple times I felt like going to the front desk and saying, never mind, okay. If you used to move maps. But talking about being lost, what's the darkest place you've ever been? Now, in a physical sense, uh, a number of years ago, my family and I, we went to the Black Hills, and there is Wind Cave and Jewel Cave. And it's Jewel Cave I want to tell you about. If you ever go there, um, they put you in an elevator and you go down 30 stories. That's Jewel Cave, and that's in the Black Hills. And um, supposedly one of the largest cave systems in the world. Someone ignorantly asked, how many miles of undiscovered caves are there? <laughs> well... Same person asked, how did you get the state road so close to the cave? Never mind. But if you go down there, when you're down 30 stories below uh, uh, ground level, they'll turn off the lights and guess what you get to see? You can't even do this and see anything, the darkest place that you've ever been. And that reminds me of the account of, of 13 boys and a coach who played for the Wild Boys youth soccer team and I'm going to jolt your memory a little bit. A couple of years ago, um, they wandered into that cave, and it's in, Thai, and it's in um, uh, Thailand. And Thailand's made up of another hilly mountains uh, made out of dirt. And so there's a number of cave systems, and it's sort of a um, um, popular hideout in the Than Wang Cave in Mai Tsai, Mai Tsai, Thailand. And they just want to go in there to hang out. Sometimes it's a place where... Uh, children and youth like to go, adults like to go and just hang out a little bit. And uh, uh, the rains forced the team deeper into the cave. And so what happened is it was a rainy season. They got into the cave and they wandered deeper. But as they wandered deeper, uh, the, the, the rain was, was sifting through all the dirt and making their exit all the more dangerous so they couldn't come out. And people started to wonder where they're at. Uh, there was no phone service and they, they all... Um, went to the cave and saw the bikes and backpacks there, and they knew exactly where the cave was. And they were there for 14 days, continuously being forced into the cave. Now, now thank God, with the rain sifting through the dirt above them, they were able to get some water. Um, but they found themselves in a very dire situation. And to keep warm, they had to dig further into the cave where there was some warmth, and they, they drank the water and wondering if they could be saved. And finally, experts from around the world, including the United States of, of America, came and one scuba diver was able to make it through a number of those rainy cave systems to them and came out and shined a light on them and said, how many? He said, 13, and he said, brilliant. They're all fine. And so they actually, they were sort of all towed out with oxygen masks out of the cave system and a pulley system that they arranged, sort of uh, a life-saving system. And, but they still recall um, when the scuba diver came out of the water with a bright light and, and what joy that was. 
And so in a more, much more serious question, I'd like to ask you, have you ever seen lost? Have you ever felt that your life is in darkness? And maybe dealing with illness or death or uh, the, uh, the impending death of someone that you love, have you ever felt like you're in darkness? Or maybe you lost your job, or maybe I really miss somebody, or maybe wondering about finances, or we watch the news, and we seem to be in darkness, and there's broken relationships, and not sure what to do with my life, and maybe we're not really being treated fairly. And at times we feel that our life is in darkness. We feel like that wild boar soccer team, and we wound up in a cave, and we were forced deeper and deeper, and we had to start digging to the side of the cave just to keep life going. Have you ever dealt with that? Or are you dealing with that now in that darkness? Scripture is filled with people in darkness. I mean, think about Noah when God said, I want you to build an ark, and people were making fun of him. Or think about Adam and Eve when they hid from God and decided to cover themselves with leaves, and they were hiding from God, and God said, where are you? Or think about the darkness that Peter felt after he denied Jesus, what darkness that he went through. Or maybe think about Mary as she stood at the cross watching her beloved son die. Think about darkness. But the person I want to talk to you today is that's King David. And remember King David in his darkness, he committed adultery and God was holding him accountable and he knew that his young baby son was going to die. And that's quite devastating. It's one thing to, to lose a family member who's, who's much older, but to lose a baby at the beginning of their life is much more difficult. And David just didn't do anything. He just laid. He laid on his back. He laid on his front. And he didn't want to see anyone. He was in total darkness around that. And David pleads for his child's life, but God says, no, this is going to happen. I'm going to take this young child to be with me. And there is David in darkness. Now, I'm going to go back 700 years before the birth of Christ, and the Israelites, too, found themselves in darkness, uh, sitting in a darkness of captivity. Now, you can see the verse there. They loved their wickedness more than the Lord. And God sent a number of messengers to call them out of the darkness. They're in the dark cave of idolatry, and we like to do our own thing. I think in some ways we could even call today. People love wickedness more than they like the Lord, love the Lord. And wickedness is just much more than revelry or drug abuse or a wanton selfishness, but it can also be found in apathy and laziness and sort of tolerance of things that once weren't tolerated. And so there they were in the darkness of their captivity. Matter of fact, their captors, the Babylonians, used to sing them songs and hymns they used to sing and cherish as a joke to them. Imagine if the United States were conquered by an enemy and our enemy would sing to us the star-spangled banner or God bless America while we're underneath their thumb and boot. How humiliating that would have been how humiliating that is for us. And there was Israel in its darkness. And so here comes Isaiah. And much like, well, in times, um, let me get to that later. In times, we find ourselves in caves of darkness. We're overbooked. We're overstretched. How to keep up with things that we think are important. Uh, tied up with things that really aren't that important in our schedule. And sometimes get overwhelmed. How we can keep our life afloat with all sorts of things going on. So... But in their darkness, God speaks to Israel, and he also speaks to us. Can you read this with me? Arise, shine, for your light has come. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. 
And so yet in the darkness, I think we could say it about the Israelites, we could say it about David, we could even say it about ourselves. In those dark places when we're digging into the soft cave and we're drinking water that sifts down through the dirt, we feel that life is dark. God still brings his light to us as he did to them. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And you know who that is. That is Christ. And he speaks this to us, for us children of God. For God said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine our hearts into our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And in those dark times, God shines his light in us. And more than it's just going to be okay, it's I haven't forsaken you and you're still my child and heaven is still your home and there's still a plan. In those dark times of our lives, no matter where we find ourselves to be, he speaks into the darkness of our lives and calls us into his marvelous light. No matter if it's grief or sorrow or anger or injustice or problems with life, he calls us into that. And so, I'd like to talk about epiphany. You ever hear that? Somebody said they had an epiphany? Or somebody once said, I wish, really wish that person would get an epiphany. Do you know what I mean by that? Now, this is a really dumb example, but, but you'll be able to understand it. You know, when I was a kid, uh, down my street, there was a Sunoco station. And for years, I'd walk by it. Sunoco. Sunoco. What does Sunoco mean? And when I was like 13, my brother said to me, well, duh, Sunoco, it means Sun Oil Company. Yeah, get it? Or Amico, American Oil Company. And the light went on. I always wondered what the AMVETs were when I was smaller. And my grandfather told me, American what? Veterans. Duh, the light bulb came on. Epiphany is the light comes on. Just like it did for the people in the cave and the Israelites. What else is an epiphany? Epiphany is Christmas for the Gentiles. Now, I know most of us, our minds is anywhere but with Christmas. Um, I, I asked the ladies, please make sure that the, the Christmas tree is down by uh, January 6th. But Epiphany, we're in the season of Epiphany, and Epiphany is really Christmas for others. Uh, if you listen to the readers on Christmas Eve, there are even some nations that will not open up Christmas gifts until January what? Say it? 6th. They wait until Epiphany. Now, Christmas was for the shepherds, and the shepherds were Jews, and it was for people in, in Israel and people in Palestine. But Epiphany is Christmas for people who never heard of Christmas. It's an ongoing thing. And for us, for the most part, on the 26th, we're sort of shut down. Definitely after January 1st, we sort of say, okay, the holidays are over. Let's get all that put away. But really, Epiphany is, is for Gentiles. It's for the rest of the world. And so Christ's manifestation for the world, he's going to manifest himself. And one way he did that... He did that by being baptized. Does anyone remember his first miracle was changing water into what? He began to manifest himself there. I'm the Lord of glory, and he did other miracles. He manifests himself. So epiphany, the light comes on, and Christ is being manifest to others. Now, Isaiah also says this. Go ahead and read it with me. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of dawn. Young camels of Midian, Ephah, and Sheba will come bearing gold and incense. Now let's just take a wild guess there. Who's that referring to? The what? Say it. The wise men. So not only does Isaiah say, listen Israel, you're sitting in your dark cave and digging out more dirt and drinking water that sifts down from the mountain into your mouths, but there's going to be people who are going to come afar to that light. And that's talking about the wise men or the sages or the astronomers or the kings or whatever we want to call them and they will bring gifts. There's no doubt that's with them. And there you see them. They're sages and wise men. Now, we still sometimes say, wise men seek him, and that's very true. 
But let me put a little bit of a different light on that. You see, they didn't seek the light, the light found them. How did the wise men know that there was going to be a star that was going to lead them to the baby Jesus? And, and first of all, let me go ahead and pop this bubble. There was probably like a 99.9999 chance that the wise men weren't there the night that Jesus was born. Okay? They like came six months to a year and a half after Jesus was born because they followed the star there. But how did they know to follow the star? How would they have known about that? Well, if we go back, let me flip back real fast. Let's go back to this picture here. Remember those people in darkness? The Jews in Babylon, they also brought God's word to them. And they also brought what the prophet Micah said. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, from you will come from whose origins are ancient. You see, when they're in captivity, they brought the promises of Christ to the pagans. They brought them to the Babylonians. And the wise men, let me fast forward there, please be patient. And the wise men heard that. And what? The light found them. They read the scripture and they believed it. You see, they didn't seek Jesus. Jesus' word, what? Found them. And they weren't wise they sought Jesus. They became wise by God's word. What were they really looking for? Jesus' location. They already knew Jesus was a king. They had the gifts bought beforehand. They knew he was a king. They knew they'd bring him gold and incense and myrrh and things for a king that preserves what the king says and honors the king as being powerful and sustains his kingdom. They knew that about the king. You see, sometimes we think the wise men just were following the star and they had no idea who Jesus was. No, they knew exactly who Jesus was. The word told them they were looking for his location, his word. And for us, for our light, we look to the promises of his word, Christ who died for you and me. So wise men brought expensive and meaningful gifts and worshipped Christ in depth and in heart. They came to worship him. What did they do? They probably knelt down. And they didn't bring leftover gifts. They didn't look around Walmart on December 26th and see what's half off. They brought real significant gifts and they brought their worship, real worship. He is Christ the King. And what about you and I? We come to worship. Do we bring our best? I'm just not talking about what we wear. I'm talking about the devotion of our heart, soul, and our mind. A repentant and believing heart. And I talk about gifts that are given from the heart that reflect the king and what he does. In that sense, they sought Jesus that they might bring the gifts to him. Have we done the same? And my prayer is, our prayer is that our church and school is a light on a hill. Matthew 4.13, can you read that with me? You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. That we are a light, that we proclaim the gospel, that we seek out to others in love, that we care and love one another in their needs, and we are warm to those who come and visit to us, and we think about ways that we can shine our light to others in very real and practical ways. Because, friends in Christ, a warm smile, a gift given in love, a how are you doing, what can I do to help you, can I pray for you? I'm sorry I hear that. All those things shine light. May our church and our school be a what? City on a hill. May we be like those scuba divers, finding those who are lost, digging into the sides of a hill, shine a light on them in small ways and great ways, as Christ has shined a light on us for eternity. So how about this as a closing thought? Can you all read it with me? But if we walk in the light as he is in the light... We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, 
cleanses us from all sin. And in His light, all God's people say, 